this is weird shit that my mom says. Welcome to episode three. I'm Jules Creighton. And I'm Cece Alice. So we're super excited to be back for episode three because it turns out there are people that listen to it that are not our family members. So thank you to those people. Yeah, we are so excited to see these numbers climbing every single day. Like the first thing I do every morning is I log into to the anchor platform that we're using to post and I can see how many people are listening and it's so exciting um just to, to really see exciting. that growing so even if it's only like 20 people right now it's still a lot of people that aren't our family yeah that's true that's honestly true so thank you for anybody who is listening thank you for your support tell your friends we would be so excited to have more people keep listening to us and I think honestly, that it's only going to get better from here. Um, We finally maybe have our sound figured out, at least for the best that we can do right now. But I guess we'll, we'll see as this one gets done. We we know we are struggling a little bit so far. So we made really cool forts at each of our houses um, that we are recording in. And I kind of like it because it's like, we're, it's like we're kids again, and we're hanging out in a little fort. It is like we're kids and hanging. I mean, we're in separate forts, but it's okay. And yeah, like I'm literally like in a weird little space underneath my stairs behind my clothing. That's a closet. I'm I'm in my walk-in closet. I I was telling Cece that actually sometimes I hide from my family in this walk-in closet because it's (laughs) usually it's when I'm putting away laundry. I'll just like shut the door and then nobody can find me. So that's awesome. It's good. This is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it has been a really long couple of weeks. Um, we've, we've had some shit going on. Oh yeah. Yeah, we have. Jules got sick while she was visiting me up North where I live. She got real, real sick with a cold. I kind of, uh, episode two, we actually fun story. We recorded it and then I did some dumb shit and erased part of it. Yeah, she did. So we had to re-record while I was sick. So that's, I feel like I sounded pretty shitty in number two. I don't think it was too bad. I'm, I'm kind of at that shittiness, but I got sick too. But what happened was I had to travel to New Orleans for work and As I was traveling there, I started to get a little bit of scratch in my throat. And as the the night went on, I got to go to the French Quarter and have a really awesome dinner. I had some tarot cards read, and then we pretty much just headed back to our hotel. And in the morning, I woke up and I was so sick. And then shortly thereafter, I got a notification that I was exposed to COVID on the airplane. And then she immediately texted me like it was my fault. Well, I have all the same symptoms as you you, and our, the rest of our family got COVID. So I don't even know, I don't even know where the COVID came from. If it came from you, if you were patient zero or patient two, I I don't know. All I I know is I went to New Orleans and I got to do nothing. I got to do French quarter for a night. And then I got stuck in my hotel room. I did eat some really good food from my hotel room that got delivered by Uber Eats. I think that New Orleans doesn't like you. I love New Orleans. Like 
I've been there multiple times. I love it. Love going there. Love the vibe. I love the creepy ass feeling that you get when you're walking around. But I feel like every time you try to go, something, some bad Kobe shit happens. Something Cody happens. Um, yes. Well, I'm glad that you love New Orleans because we're going to talk about New Orleans today. I yeah. did the research for my case that I'm doing today while I was getting ready to go to New Orleans. I was super excited. I was preparing myself for ghost tours. And I thought I would learn a little bit about the creepy history of New Orleans. So that's what we're going to do today. I love it. Cool. So let's get started. I know that you're familiar with this case. Um, We like to listen to Morbid True Crime Podcast. And They they, they have covered this, which I didn't realize that I had even heard. I didn't remember hearing the episode and then realized I had. So cool. But I think we're going to cover it a little bit different than others or at least add a couple of things that that others haven't had so we're going to go back to spring of 1918 in new orleans um at that time people had a lot to worry about in the world so new orleans um in particular you know they're on this port or whatever the spanish flu pandemic is circulating around the world at the time beginning in February of 1918. It hadn't quite hit New Orleans yet, but it was something that was on their mind that they were worried about. Um, and then New uh, and, uh, World War I is still going on as well. So um, it did end up ending in November of that year, but it was going on. And so people weren't thinking a lot about anything besides those two things that were a big deal going on. So ah, Spanish flu, bomby bomb bomb. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're not worrying too much about it. Jazz music is gaining popularity in the area. Everybody has an ax. Did they do jazz hands like all the time? If I, I think they were jazz hands around. Yeah. Everything I would do, you would be so annoyed with me. I'd be like, Hey, Cece with my jazz hands. I wish you guys could see Jules right now. Cause it's amazing. We're not in the same room, but I can see her on video jazz handing and it's amazing. So yeah. People are into that. They also have axes because early 1900s and it's the spring and it's New Orleans. So it's probably hot as fuck. And so people, you know, like want to leave their windows open. That probably doesn't help home security at the time. I can't even imagine. So I, I live down South. It's fucking hell. Like we live in the pits of hell. I can't even imagine not having AC. Yeah, and it's what these people did. They just lived in the depths of hell. I had a hard time saying depths, but yes. Yeah, and we're going to get into the depths of hell a little bit here in a minute. But So we're going to take it to May 23rd of 1918. And a Sicilian grocer, Joseph Maggio, and his wife, Catherine, had to bed above their grocery store in New Orleans. Okay. While they're sleeping, an intruder takes a chisel and removes a panel from the lower part of their door on their residence. So if you think about like the fancy doors and they have like the rectangular, like there's usually like, sometimes there's like three panels or four panels, but there's like a main door and then there's like the little rectangles at the bottom. So one of those rectangles basically like takes a chisel and like, so he like like holes in it. Yeah, you basically chiseled a doggy door for himself and he like slips through it. That's fucking creepy. It is. Yeah. And it, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more in a little bit, like what kind of person might be able to fit through this kind of thing. But um, yeah, they, he, yeah, 
somebody does this, they enter the residence and they end up hitting Joseren, Joseph, Joseren. They end up hitting Joseph and <laughs> Catherine with Jeffrey. their own axe that the, that this guy like picked up in their backyard, picks up their axe, beats so, them with it. He had to know that there was an axe back there. Or you're Everybody like, had an axe. It's the, it's Everybody the early had a, 1900s. Yeah, but they didn't all keep them in the same spot. I know, but it's not that hard. I mean, like people are going to be like cutting wood in the summertime to get ready for the winter. I mean, like everybody has a cell phone now, but it's not like if I broke into their house, I'd be like, I know where they keep their cell phone. Yeah, I guess I could. Yeah, you can figure it out. Yeah, people carry it around like like how people carry around cell phones. Like instead, people had an axe in their pocket. Well, they probably had like sheds and stuff. I think I think they were getting them from sheds. Okay. That wasn't a detail they told us. They weren't like, well, it was in the shed. I don't know. Uh, I but didn't know that. what you do need to know is that their heads were bashed in with axes. And then on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, he decides to slit their throats with a razor blade. I think you've done enough damage, sir. Yes, you would think so. So a couple hours after this occurs, Joseph's brother, Andrew, arrives at his own home. I've seen a couple different versions that either he lived next door or he lived like on the other side of the house from them or something like that, maybe an attached apartment because it seems like they're living behind their businesses. Um, Andrew arrives home late that night after a night of drinking because he's celebrating that he got into the Navy and he's going to go help out in World War I. So he comes home, him and his other brother hear this like strange moaning sound coming from his brother Joseph's house or part of the house or whatever it is and he decides to go check it out and there he finds joseph has like been like hit with an axe and his throat has been slit but he's still alive he's alive a little bit yeah and then Catherine's Catherine's head has been sliced almost completely off (gasps) yeah so she's gone how do you be alive I, I don't like you're going to hear so this this axe man like he attacks 12 people throughout this whole story six of them survive so just keep that in like these people I don't even know you know like it's crazy but so he's not very good at his job no he's not um he calls the police oh, when he boy. finds this bloody scene of course Andrew does he's drunk but he's like we, we got to call him and the other brother so the police come they get Joseph off to the hospital but he ends up dying Police investigate and they pull up some leads. So they do find a pile of bloody clothes left at the scene. So it's like this guy like came in, got all bloody and then decided to like had a change of clothes. Or I don't know if he stole Joseph's clothes or something, but he, or maybe he left naked. Who knows? But he leaves no, he, his clothes at the scene. He left naked. He left naked with jazz hands. He's just like naked jazz. And he, he is a fan of jazz. We'll learn. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. So they realize that the axe belonged to the victims. They find the razor that was used. It's like a straight razor from like a barber shop. They found that in a yard, a couple houses down. They find near the home on some wall in an alleyway in chalk. The sentence is written. Mrs. Maggio will sit up tonight. Just like Mrs. Tony. Nobody knows who Mrs. Tony is or what sit up means. Nobody gets it, but but yeah, that's, that's what they find. They also find that um, even though there's a safe that's found empty and open, that no valuables are actually stolen. There's a hundred dollars that Joseph was like apparently sleeping on. Like it was under his pillow that was like bloody, but it was still there. 
And there were like multiple diamond rings on their dresser that weren't stolen either. So they think that whoever did it made it look like a robbery, but it wasn't actually a robbery. What a crazy time when you would sleep with your money. I still sleep with money under my pillow. Like the tooth, it's like a reverse tooth fairy. (laughs) It's like bitches. If I put $500 under my pillow, some of these people woke up without their teeth, you know, like they did get their teeth knocked out. So maybe it is the tooth fairy. You wake up in the morning, you have no fucking teeth. It's a new theory. It's a new theory. Okay. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Can I ask a question? I'm probably not going to know the answer because every question you ask me is always like, I'm like, I don't fucking know. I would have told you. Well, but go ahead. I'm I'm detectivizing. Tell me what your detective question is. I am married to a detective. So Mm -hmm. I've told him at this point, I, I should officially get my badge and this is part of it. So why did the writings on the wall have anything to do with this? How do they know that they had anything to do with anyone sitting up? They don't. They don't know anything. It's Why just, the fuck did just... they put it in there? It could have been well, like a kindergartner. I'll tell you that in a minute if you just slow the fuck down. Okay. <laughs> I'll hold my tiny. I like to be mean to you and then I laugh. It's very silly. Andrew, who discovered the bodies, drunk was a, the drunk seaman. Drunk, drunk seaman Andrew. Well, before this, he actually is a barber and his shop is really close by <gasps> to their residence. Wait a second. You said that a barber, that that was a barber's razor. It was, yeah. Okay, proceed. Okay. The cops are also like, whoa, 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 hold up. And they ask, and it turns out that a blade really similar to this, mm-hmm. Andrew had brought it home recently to sharpen it. Mm. like just days before the attack so they're like the police are like what the fuck and then they're also like and they don't really like know the timeline of everything yet so they're like how could he hear groans but not the actual attack like why is he hearing groans they're suspicious of andrew and they arrest him for a couple of days and andrew's like really heartbroken over this because he's like i just found this like grisly scene like can you imagine if you found me dead no and then they were like, you're arrested. I would be very upset. I know, right? And so Andrew felt this way as well. There weren't, like, when you think about it, like, this is back in the early 1900s and like New Orleans, it's not like there's like a huge variety of types of razors out in the world. No. And, and so they I think either like that it was a similar razor or perhaps the guy even might have broken into Andrew's barbershop or into his home or maybe if they did live in the same house as it's been reported somewhere like maybe he found the razor inside the house because he's he's taking the axe from there anyway they were able to confirm that Andrew was drunk at the time like he was out like on the town they were able to confirm that Andrew didn't do it like he had a solid alibi was he fraternizing with ladies well he probably was yeah he was like, hello, I'm a seaman. Yeah, I don't know. They were able to verify that he was other places, like he was other places, and they let him go. Mm, okay, what else? Keep going. I know you're so suspicious of Andrew, but he really doesn't come up again, and a lot of other things go on. He probably left, honestly, to go be in the Navy. So 
a little while after this, so that was in May. And so on June 27th, everybody had kind of forgotten about it. They're just like, oh, maybe that guy killed his brother, probably out in the world. They kind of forget about it, go back to listening to news about the, the, the war and the Spanish flu. But on June 27th, just a little over a month later, um, there is another grocer. So the first guy was a Sicilian grocer. This guy is actually Polish. And there's going to be some question about where he's actually from a little while later because he knows a lot of different languages. So, hey, Louis Basimer. Tomorrow is June June 27th. It is. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. whoever lives in this house, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. So Louis Basimer and his mistress, Annie Harriet Lowe are attacked in the apartment behind his grocery store. A baker makes a delivery in the morning to the store and is shocked to see that Lewis is not in the shop as he usually would be in the morning. He's used to him being there to, you know, let him in and deliver his baked goods. I like how you said it was a shock. What? You said it was a shock. Like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It was really out of the ordinary. We were like, like, I know Lewis. And like, where the fuck is he? Why is he in his store? No, he is. He's shocked. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to go. And like, I, I, I know that Lewis lives behind the grocery store. So I'm going to go back there and just see if he's back there. Or maybe he overslept probably he's thinking in his head. So the baker goes back there and he finds that a lower panel of the door has been chiseled out and he tries to open the door, but it's locked. Just as he's trying to like open the door, Lewis like swings the door open and he's got this huge gash above his head and he's like bleeding everywhere. And Dear then, Lord. yeah. And then they discover that his mistress, Annie is laying in the, like kind of like half on the bed bleeding from an ax wound in her head. Wait, his mistress. So he had a wife. Yeah. But he has this mistress that lives there with wife? him. I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I can't ask you any fucking questions. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So they take Lewis and Annie. It's probably Luis. Luis and mm-hmm. Annie to the hospital. And Luis was able to pull through. Um, Annie is also pulling through, but with some trouble. So she's got half of her face is paralyzed and shit's getting kind of scandalous in the news because she's a mistress. She had come with him. Where were the wounds on her head? Hers was above her ear, I believe. Oh, okay. So she won't be like deformed-ish. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of these, they get hit like once or twice and then they, and then the guy like flees afterward. So that's probably why he's not doing the best job. I think his first job was honestly, like he was the most thorough that time because the razor. I think that he's more concerned about getting naked afterwards. Well, they don't find clothes on any of these ones. So now I feel like his first job was his most successful, honestly. I'm still imagining him to be naked. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Maybe he just chucks his clothes and then they get left in a trash can and nobody finds them. That's what. Yeah. Okay. Well, Shit is getting scandalous and Annie's getting kind of like, she's kind of got to paint herself in a different way because right now she looks terrible. She's a mistress. She had just moved. They had just moved there from Jacksonville three months earlier. She came along from Jacksonville. She's able to tell them that his actual wife is actually ill and being cared for by relatives in Cincinnati, which they were able to confirm was true. 
His wife was in Cincinnati and he's banging some other chick. Yeah. In New Orleans. So he lived with her in Jacksonville and then brought her along to New Orleans. She starts to tell the police that Lewis is up to something. Like he gets a lot of letters in different languages. And she tells the police that he's the one who attacked her with the axe, even though he himself was also attacked with the axe. Well, maybe he did. Maybe he got naked. And then (laughs) he started whacking himself in the head to make it look like, what does he have to gain from this? I don't know. See, that's the thing. I think the cops originally theorized that they were, she was on to him being a spy because World War One's going on right now and some of the letters were in German. She's learning too much about his shady business dealings and spy things. And so he's trying to like get rid of her is what the, the story that's portrayed is. But anyway, she does have these complications with half of her face being paralyzed and she decides that she wants that to get fixed. She doesn't want to live with a paralyzed face. So they try to do a surgery and from complications for that surgery, she ends up dying. And so this turns into being a murder instead. Please start to investigate Luis because of her accusations, especially because obviously she she died. They do find letters in Russian, German, and Yiddish in his home. And he's charged with Annie's murder on August 5th. So a little bit more than a week afterward, he's jailed. Uh, The police believe that he copycatted the first axe man in order to, to murder Annie. Do you believe it? Well... So he's sitting in prison and that very same day that he was charged with the murder. So he's in jail. Another murder takes place. So this next one, Anna Schneider, who is 28 years old and eight months pregnant, goes to bed while her husband is working late. She wakes in the night to find a dark figure standing over the top of her. That's all she remembers. Like she sees a dark figure. She screams and then she doesn't remember anything. Her husband, Ed Schneider, returns home from work shortly after midnight to find her covered in blood with her scalp slashed open. She does survive the the attack and she's rushed to the hospital to receive medical medical care. And three days later, she gives birth to a healthy baby girl. And they named it a girl. I don't know. They didn't. There wasn't as much information about these people and their backstory. I don't. I can't tell. I'm guessing that they're not Italian based on the Schneider last name. They're not grocers or anything. Nothing's really, you know, there to fully attribute to the accident except for that. So what they, what they did find upon investigating is that there's no money missing again, just like the other two. There's nothing missing. They believe that she was hit in the head with a lamp in the home rather than an axe. So they used a different item that was already in the home and there's no sign of forced entry. They believe that they probably came in through an unlocked window. I'm guessing people were leaving their windows open because of theirs. Can you imagine like there's no air conditioning and even though people are getting murdered, you also are going to like die down there. I would die. Yeah. So she's got this window open. (gasps) Oh. So the police end up suspecting someone. For some reason, they decide that this black man named James Gleason had done it. And there's no really reason that this guy was accused of it besides that he was black and he had been in trouble before. And I think they were like, he was near the house at the time. They tried to question him and he ran away probably because he's a black guy and the police are white people. And there's a white person that got hurt in the early 1900s in the South. So that's my, my guess as to why this guy ran. 
they ultimately couldn't find any like any evidence that he did this of course because he didn't and so they let him go the well, and that they this let him point, go. yeah and at this point this is where investigators start to publicly speculate that it was related to the Maggio and Basimer attacks but they're still mostly sticking with the fact that they think they're like okay Maggio but not Basimer like we've got him in jail right now he's a spy we're gonna get him for this okay they don't find anybody on this one of course and they're like whatever this is related to the other one and then and then august 10th rolls around damn dude's like he skipped july though august 10th so this is five days after um pregnant anna and ed get murdered anna gets hit but not murdered and ed doesn't get murdered of course the guy's gone by then so five days later there's this other 80-year-old Sicilian grocer named Joseph Romano, and he lives with two of his nieces. So Pauline Bruno, who's 18, and Mary Bruno, who's 13. They live with their 80-year-old uncle, and he still has his grocery store. He's alive and kicking. But the, the two nieces wake up to some sound of a struggle in Joseph's room in the middle of the night. They had been not sleeping really well. Pauline, the older, the 18-year-old, said basically that she had been having a really hard time sleeping because of these attacks going on she's just been really worried about them especially because there's brochures involved and so (laughs) so she she's worried about them you know and they they hear this struggle going on and they run over to his room and they get there just in time to see what they described as a man with they say he's a dark complexion but believe that he's white heavier build wearing a dark suit and slouched hat fleeing the scene and they say that like he basically just like vanished. It's phantom. Yeah. And he's like wearing a fancy suit. Like who like wears a suit to go murder somebody with an axe? A mobster. Yeah, I know. Right. Like, so they get in there, they see this guy flee or disappear or whatever happened. But Joseph is slumped over, soaked in blood with a big gash in his head. Oh. He tells them to call an ambulance. He is lucid. And when the ambulance arrives, he is able to actually walk himself to the ambulance. But unfortunately, he did die in the hospital two days later from his injuries. Investigators did find that there was a panel removed from his door as well with a chisel, as they had seen. And then what was the only one was the one with the girl? Wait, the pregnant lady did not have a doggy door. Pregnant lady didn't have a doggy door. Hers was a window. Hmm yeah that's weird and they never found a chisel they never found a chisel and it wasn't an axe in hers that one was a lamp she was beat with an with a lamp Mm, so that one maybe could be separate i'm thinking that might not be yeah yeah Um, yeah but in this case they did find that the chiseled thing it was an axe um and the place had been ransacked again but nothing stolen So nobody was arrested in this one, basically because they started putting the pattern together, which appeared, you know, to be kind of random, but grocers at the same time. So what do you suppose they ransack and don't steal stuff? Do you think they're just like, ah, I'm going to rip shit up? Well, there's like theories that this was like a sexual sadist looking for women. Like he would like kill the women and then like got off on it somehow, but wasn't raping them necessarily. That was one theory, but they were like trying to make it look like a robbery. It's just like strange. Like they're all ransacked, but like nothing's gone from them. Usually you only make it try to look like a robbery if 
if it's somebody that like knows the person. I know, right? But these are all, they're saying that they're random, but these were mostly these, are like business owners were that are Italian. Grocers, were the grocers friends? No, they're not. Like they don't really know each other. So apparently like at this time, half of the grocers in New Orleans were Italians. Nobody liked Italians back then. No, they didn't. And that's like a theory that we'll talk a little bit more about later on. But but yeah, like half of the grocery places in New Orleans, like in their like corner ones, you know, because they're not like big supermarkets like we have. So there's a lot of them. So yeah. half of them are owned by, by Italian people, which people aren't a huge fan of. So we're allowed to say that because we're Italian. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fact of life too. Okay. So Jules and I did just take a quick break because we're using the unpaid version of Zoom that only lets us record for up to 40 minutes. But anyway, while while we took our break, I do have this cup. Oh, I might not like this cup of tea, you know, like in here for me to drink. And I don't know, like something happened in my throat while I was drinking the tea, which the tea is in here because of the throat, even though it's hot as fuck in this little room. So this hot tea and I like take a drink of it and somehow it gets caught in my throat and suddenly it just came out my nose and like all over my body. I was like, ah, I'm drowning. And it was tea. So that was fun. <laughs> I decided that I was going to get another pillow because my butt was falling asleep um, in the fort. And then I decided to turn off the lights so it would be more spooky. It is kind of more spooky. Should I turn off one of my lights? Also, the way the camera was angled, I kind of looked like a demon from above. Oh, I didn't like well, it. Nobody can see you except me. I know, but I can see myself. I hate when I can see myself, the, the little person me in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Now we're really in a fort. We are a fort. Okay, so let's get going okay. on this again. So that was on August 10th. The next day after this gets reported, a whole bunch of reports start coming into the police suddenly. And these are coming mostly from grocers. So a guy named Al Durand, another grocer, finds an axe and a chisel outside of his back door. Mm. Nobody broke in, though. Joseph LaBeouf, another grocer on that's like a block away from Romano's home, mm-hmm. reports that someone had chiseled a panel out of his door back on July 28th, which is the night that he was away. So the person might have actually come into his house and realized there was nobody in there to kill and just left. So he, had his he, urge. he hadn't reported it. Yeah. Yet. He had so, his July urge. Yeah, he did. Um, mm-hmm. Another grocer, Arthur Recknagel. I don't really know how to say that correctly, but Recknagel. he found a panel removed from one of his doors in June and then found an ax in his backyard the day after. For whatever reason, the guy didn't decide to murder them. Many other people start to report like seeing the ax man. Some of them say that the ax man is dressed as a woman what, carrying around an ax. Other people just say that they see other guys walking around with an axe in his hand and like jumping over neighborhood fences and running away. Somebody says that they fired shots at this guy. Um, and then another guy on August 30th claims that he saw a large axe wielding man breaking in, yelled at him, and then he ran away. But nobody saw jazz hands, floppy flaccid dick. Nobody saw axe. him naked. No, he wasn't like jazz like- hands naked walking through no. the neighborhood. He wasn't walking. He was bebopping. Well, he, like, can, he is bebopping, but I think what he can only, he's got an axe in one hand. So he's only like jazz handed in one hand. So you got to get the picture oh, right though. So he's, he's like flipping it in the air. In, oh, yes. 
He's really good at it. Oh my God. He probably does like little, he probably juggles it and he just doesn't hit himself with the axe. Yeah. God, yeah. It's like a fucking baton twirler with an axe. Yes. Jazz handing. He's like, what he's, doing? he's probably like, don't people just have parades in New Orleans all the time? Like with their yes. jazz? Or is that only during Mardi Gras? Well, let's pretend it was happening. And the way that he got around is he would blend in to these Mardi Gras parades by jazz handing. And he'd be like twirling the axe around like a baton. Yeah, and he was like, well, I guess he was like, yeah, but if people say that they're like finding the axe, like him like walking around with an axe, that seems weird because he was getting the axe from their houses. So what I can tell you is the people of New Orleans were super frightened at this time and they are like, they're carrying loaded shotguns around with them places. So I'm wondering if maybe some people, maybe some people are just walking around their neighborhood with the axe because they're like worried this guy's going to attack them. Or maybe they want to know where their axe is at all times or something. And they're just carrying their axe with them. I'm not sure. But there's like, there's family members. They're taking turns sleeping at night. They're not leaving their axes out was the other thing that was shown. So like, maybe they're just, there's guys walking through their neighborhood because, you know, like with an axe or women walking with an axe because they want to make sure they know where those things are. I'd strap that bitch on. I know, right? Like I would get like a little belt and like put my axe in it. I'd just like, carry like, it around always. Like how when I travel with my purse, how I always like turn the flap towards me and like hug it. Yeah. <laughs> I would do <laughs> that with, with axe. axe. All right. I can I can I can get on board with that. Around this time as well, the unsolved mysteries or unsolved mysteries, the unsolved murders, <laughs> which are mysteries, did leave a retired detective, John D'Antonio, to write into the Times-Picayune newspaper, which is their newspaper that they still have today. Can you say that again? It's called the Times-Picayune. Yeah, I don't think you said that right. No, I did. I looked it up. A Picayune. Picayune. It's like, it's like P-I-C-A-Y-U-N-E. Times-Picayune. Yeah, I- I mean, I like how you said it. It was nice. I think that's how it's said, but somebody correct me, I guess, if I'm wrong. It is like still their newspaper. It's been running since 19 or 1830 something. So, okay. So this, this retired detective thought that the killer likely had like dual personalities. He talked about it. Like they didn't talk about like multiple personalities at that time, but he called it a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde concept. At this time, also, because of that chalk writing that we talked about, about her sitting up, this is where this comes into play. So he said that there were another string of assaults that took place in 1910 and 19, 1910 through 1912 in another town in Louisiana. And I don't know if they didn't say for sure, but maybe Mrs. Tony was one of those murders. I guess the panels were chiseled outdoors with those murders as well. And they were unsolved. So there is a suspect from that that we'll talk about later on, too, that might be really involved in these. Mm. And then he also in the newspaper, so he's speculating all these things in the newspaper because he's not a detective anymore. He also compares him to Jack the Ripper. So he does talk about him taking cool down periods, maybe lasting years at a time. So these things are that's kind of where he pulls in. And then the last really reported thing for a while now is going to be September 15th. Someone attempted to cut through another grocer's door. His name was Paul Durrell. He had a case of tomatoes. I'm guessing like some kind of like wooden crate (laughs) filled with tomatoes because he's a grocer. So he has them stacked against the lower panel of his door. Maybe he was trying to keep the guy out or he just needed somewhere to put his meters. (laughs) 
he had that there and so the panel had been removed but apparently the tomatoes were just like too much work for the x-men so he didn't get killed so he just must have left and this guy didn't even know anything about it and so after this things just stopped for a while because everyone was like i'm gonna put fucking tomatoes everywhere yeah i think everybody was like oh cool that's how i do i don't even know if they were reporting on this i'm guessing they must be because somebody found it but keep some tomatoes by your door because apparently like he gives up he must give up really easily if he's like chiseling out panels in a lot of people's doors he must be like any little thing is gonna scare him away before he gets inside weird i know right it's very specific about the chiseling of the panels so anybody that didn't get their their panel chiseled that sounded dirty (laughs) yeah yeah these do stop yeah so everything stopped that time you didn't get murdered by him I know there is cooldown periods for serial killers, but I have another theory as to why he might have stopped at this time for a short time. So as I talked about earlier, the the Spanish flu, that pandemic was going on during this time. It started in February, but it didn't really hit New Orleans until um, until September of that year. So on September 16th, an oil tanker arrived with five sick crew members and then Three days later, a United Fruit Company cargo ship arrived with their crew, which were fine. But then there were 11 soldiers on board that had the flu. And so after this time, the flu starts to just spread through New Orleans like crazy, as we're familiar with. The hospitals are just getting overrun with people. They can't handle it. They don't have enough beds or staff to really take care of things. They start to shut down schools and churches. I know we're familiar with this whole situation. They did let saloons stay open um, and they let trolley cars keep running, but they had like less of capacity. So they were early 1900s social distancing, essentially. So this is going on from September till December where, but then that's when they like reopened things, but there were no public gatherings. They were banned schools, those kinds of things. This guy stopped during this period of time. And so people are saying they were cooling down, but I'm like, I wonder if this guy, this guy got sick. He was sick. Maybe he got the Spanish flu, or maybe somebody close to him got the Spanish flu that he had to talk, you know, they had to take care of or something. He had to talk to. That he had to talk to. He had to talk to somebody <laughs> that was sick with the flu. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm guessing that like something happened it. there, right? Or like maybe if it was like a mafia thing, like maybe some of the other targets died. Like maybe he was maybe. like, oh, I was going to kill this other guy, but they died from the flu. So I don't have to do it right now. I feel like it was kind of a mafia thing because mafia was involved in they would do like all their their underground stuff would be run like through regular businesses right yeah exactly and that that seems to kind of make sense or just another grocer that's like crazy but like we can talk about that too competition but one of my other theories about why he stopped at this time was because there was a part of him that was just like really like he didn't want to overwhelm the hospitals any more than they already were where he was probably like oh my god (laughs) they don't have enough hospital beds if I don't, if I'm not successful in killing these people and they have to go to the hospital, they're not going to have a bed for them. So maybe he was just being considerate of the hospital bed shortage. He was very considerate. I know. So one thing to know, though, I did just kind of like I wanted to know a little bit about, about the influence thing, because like we don't I mean, like we hear about that the Spanish flu is similar to COVID, you know, but we don't like you don't think about all the stuff that they did. And it was like similar. I mean, like not similar but I mean like some of the things that they did were similar to what we did this time so between October 1918 and April 1919 New Orleans had 54,089 reported cases of influenza so I'm sure there were many more than that 
And then there were 3,400 union deaths. The fatality, like the case fatality rate of that was 6.5% of the people that got it died. And if you compare that to like COVID right now, the case fatality rate in the U.S. is 1.2%. So it was super deadly. Dude, and they only shut stuff down for like two months? Yeah, they only shut stuff down for two months because people were like over it. I guess that they... They decided in November that they would reopen like churches and schools on December 2nd, but like people couldn't even get through the end of November, I think, because the war ended in November. And I'm wondering if people were just like so excited the war was over and they just were like, let's get out and do things again. So everybody died. Yeah. So the Spanish flu, like it did kind of calm down after that, but it was still going until um, April. And so in March that's when the murders start up again. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So on March 10th, neighbors heard the screams of Italian grocer Charles Cortemiglia. In, and that's in, that was in Gretna, which is just across the Mississippi from New Orleans. So not quite in Mississippi, but right across the river, they can hear like screams coming from his home. And his neighbor, who was another Italian grocer, Lorlando Giordano, he rushes across the street and finds the family, including Charles, his wife, Rose, and their two-year-old daughter, Mary, all have been attacked. Why are there so many fucking grocers? I know. Well, because there's just, there's the, like, there's probably only, like, there's probably a grocery store, like, every few blocks. Because they're did tiny. They, did they, like, did they, like, split it out? Like, okay, you can sell the macaroni and cheese and mustard, and I'm going to sell the pork chops and beans. I feel like you had your territory, like a drug dealer. You know how like somebody's like, I got this corner. Like the bacon corner. Yeah. So instead of having like aisles, like clean up on aisle six, it would be like clean up at Italian guy's house. I don't know. I don't know how it worked, but yeah, there apparently are just so many grocery stores and there are beef. So we're going to find this out with this one. So when Lorlando got there, Charles and Rose were still alive, the parents, but Mary, the two-year-old, unfortunately, had been, she had passed away already. She was dead and Rose was like holding on to her and wouldn't let her go. Uh, They were, yeah, they were taken to the hospital and Charles was able to go home two days later. Rose was, I don't know, she must have been in some kind of coma or was sleeping or whatever, drugged up. But a little while after that, she wakes up and she claims that Lorlando, their neighbor, Lorlando? Lorlando. He was Italian too. So, you know. Um, She claims that he had been the one to attack her along with help from his 18-year-old son because Lorlando is 69 years old. He's in poor health. It kind of seems weird. Like Lorlando's older in poor health. His son Frank and they they had a door panel missing too. Like same same thing going on where door panel goes. His son, Frank, was only 18, but he was like over 200 pounds and like six feet tall. And they were like, there's no way that this guy broke through this panel. You know, there's no way that he could do it. But Rose just keeps insisting that they did it. Charles is like, I don't know what she's thinking. Like, they're innocent. I I don't understand. Like, what are you doing, Rose? Like, they were super nice and they came over and they helped us. And she's like, no, no, it was them. I swear to God, it was them. And so they end up getting they get put in prison. Like they go to trial. They're found guilty for attacking them just based on Rose saying that they did it, even though everybody else is saying they didn't do it, including like Laura Lando's wife is like, he was in bed and Frank was out with a girl. 
Like there's no way that they did this. How about we try to shove Frank through the little hole in the door and see how that goes? I know, right? But they just don't care. And so Lorlando gets sentenced to life in prison, but Frank is sentenced to hang. Oh, no. I know, but don't worry. I'm going to tell you what happens in this one right away. So right after the trial, Charles divorces Rose because he's so like, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Finally, Rose admits that she was lying. The whole Why the time fuck and she, she was knew that because they were like grocers that were like, you know, like they had like a beef going on, like a grocery store kind of guy beef. <laughs> that was and she just decided that because that like like why would you do like don't you want to find the real killer of your daughter? Like what That's- makes somebody lie about that? And luckily Frank hadn't been hanged yet. So the guys were let out is because they were like, well, there's no other evidence against these guys. So they just let them out when she finally admitted she was lying. What the fuck? Yeah, it's super screwed up. So after this whole attack that happened to the Cortomiglios, just three days afterward, the Picayune Times, again, receives a crazy letter <laughs> allegedly from the Axeman himself. It's promising another attack. I'm going to read this letter because it's amazing. Really good stuff here. It's dated. Okay, so the way it's dated, it says, Hell, March 13th, 1919. He just wants to (laughs) announce that he is, in fact, in hell while he's writing this. And I think to myself, I'm like, New Orleans is hot as fuck. So probably just in New Orleans. Right. So, yeah. So I'm going to read this letter now. Okay. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and demon from the hottest hell. I am what you, Orleanians, and your foolish police call the axe man. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with the blood and brain of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, France, Joseph, etc. But I tell them to beware, let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am. But I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best civilians best citizens for i am in a close relationship with the angel of death now to be exact at 12 15 
parentheses, earthly time, unparentheses, <laughs> on the next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whom, in whose house a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going on, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, <laughs> if there be any... We'll get the axe. <laughs> well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou will publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fantasy. Signed, the axe man. Jazz it up. Jazz it up. Like, <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, he's just like, well, if you jazz it up, if you do these jazz hands and you just go crazy with jazz music on March 19th, I'm not going to kill you. He jazz hand bebopped everywhere he went. Yeah, he did. And he like needed it so bad that he had to write that letter. And so the people of New Orleans... They were like, fuck yeah, let's jazz it up. <laughs> Make sure that that we don't get axed. And so the people go balls to the wall on March 19th. And there's <laughs> jazz music like playing everywhere. Like dance halls are like packed full. And people are just playing jazz all over the city, like either in their homes or like out in the clubs. And it's just everywhere. And nobody was killed that night. Do you feel like it's like like the, when the Gilmore girls had like their dance off? It probably was. <laughs> And they couldn't stop. I just had to jazz it up. <laughs> I just like that he had to clarify that it was earthly time too. Just in case you weren't yeah. sure which which like time zone you were in. Like usually he could have said central standard time, but <laughs> just had to make sure. Like he should have been like earthly time, central standard. He should have said that. He should have. So everything's good. Um, and on April 30th, all like this whole time. During the Cordomigli attacks and Louis Basimer had just been sitting in the in prison, basically waiting for his trial to start for his mistress's death and for being a oh, German spy. Yeah. That. So he's still sitting in jail and he finally gets his trial on April 30th. And the trial uncovers that Louis actually just speaks a lot of languages and his letters are like boring and they're not there's nothing spy worthy in there he's just a guy that knows a lot of language and they're like oh shit this guy's polish and he's not german so he's like dude i just know how to speak a lot of languages everybody always thinks i'm german and i'm not in polish it's also found that it would be like ridiculous and basically impossible for him to hit himself in the head with that hard with the axe like multiple times and it's determined that annie's death and his attacker attributed to the axe man after all and he goes free what a shit show I know, right? And so Frank and Lorlando are still in prison too at that time, you know, because they were held for a year. Basically, all the Axeman was over by the time they got out. So pretty crazy. He didn't get to have a jazz fest? No, he he missed jazz fest. I would be like really bummed about that because if you got to get whack, I feel like you should at least get to dance. And especially like after the whole Spanish flu thing, you'd be like ready to go jazz it up. People want to go jazz it up. If That's he's in jail. Laura. People are probably getting sick there. 
we need more of that in our lives post pandemic yeah just jazzing it up yeah I honestly I think that that letter was like from there was probably some like dance hall guy that was like god my business really suffered during this whole pandemic thing and I'm just sick of it I'm just gonna (laughs) pretend to be the axe man and tell everybody to jazz it up for the night and like just fill my club and everybody let's just party that's probably true having been through a pandemic now ourselves like I feel like that's just so much more likely or jazz man lost his mind dressed up in all of the sequins and wrote that letter (laughs) I don't know everybody did a really good job everybody did a really good job of like jazzing it up I guess because he he honestly doesn't do anything again until August 10th so March to August 10th nothing happens that's just it that's what he needs there's two things that will that will tame the beast Spanish flu and jazz uh well killing oh (laughs) So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> whacking people i know right with an axe yeah he needs a creative outlet he does maybe he really wants to be a jazz singer but he can't do it like he can't carry a tune in a bucket you'd think that then he would be killing jazz singers because out of jealousy maybe could be that makes a lot more sense None of it makes any sense. I don't know. I think, honestly, it's like some grocer or Bob person. Okay, so August 10th, 1919, Steve Boca, another Sicilian grocer, was attacked. The fuck? Yeah, he woke to a dark figure standing over his bed, as others had described. And though being hit, he survived and upon regaining consciousness, ran over to his neighbor, frank janus's home which is like a block away upon arriving there he basically like just collapses into frank's arms and then frank calls and gets him (laughs) frank frank calls and gets him like help he survives but he couldn't remember really very much over it and the cops decide they're gonna arrest frank janusa for this because he was the one and then steve is like no dude like Frank was my buddy that I went and went to like go find help. Like, no. Like, he caressed me. He caressed me he back caressed to help. And held me. Yeah. In my time of need. I know. Just ridiculous. He couldn't remember very much about the attack, though, besides that figure over the top of him. And so, um, similar Why? to the other crimes, nothing was taken. The door panel was removed to gain entry. Okay. So I think that the jazzy jazz McJazzer face is waking them up like just before so that they will see the dark figure because yeah. like normally you wouldn't just wake up from like the whoosh of a whack of a wax. Of an I axe. know. Right. So I think that he's like, I think he's like standing above them and whispering and he's being like, excuse me. Do you think he's whistling? Do you think he starts to whistle jazz music? I, I can't whistle, so I can't do it. But he's just like, do, like, do, 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 And then like, and then he's just like, bam. And then, and then after he's that, like, he's like, things are about to get jazzy. <laughs> I have to jazz it up. And he keeps <laughs> saying that until they open their eyes and they're like, what the fuck is that? I know, right? But nobody says that they heard it. Like nobody's like wakes up and they were like, I woke up to a tall figure over the top of me and it was it was whistling jazz music. That's because 
that's their subconscious they were dreaming about it that's true you're having like a really excellent dream where they're like "Mm, club (laughs) jazzing it up in the club yeah that's probably what it was that would be a rude awakening dude can you imagine waking up to a dark figure standing in your room that i don't need that i don't need that in my life nobody needs that in their life Except for those people that are like thrill seekers, I suppose. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you have had that happen to you, you should send us an email to weirdshitmymomsays at gmail.com because I do want to hear about how terrifying it was. I want to hear about it, but I don't. I know. So like, that's real shit. I don't want that to happen. That's why I have a security system. Me too. I would probably don't hide in this little room, honestly. This is where I would hide if somebody came into this my house. My, this is my panic room in my head. Yeah. I Yours is a real room, that. though. Mine is like nobody would know that this even existed. You're right. Real panic room. The next attack happens on September 3rd. So last attack was August 10th. This one is September 3rd. A local druggist, otherwise known as probably a pharmacist at this time, <laughs> Um, William William Carson was attacked in his sleep, but he escaped um, and he didn't even get hit by the axeman, but he ended up like he had his gun. And so he fired several shots at the intruder and the guy runs away. Uh, he wasn't hurt, but his door panel um, was chiseled off and his axe was left by the axeman inside of his home. So apparently he must have like had his axe outside like a dummy. At least he had his gun with him, though. I guess he wasn't such a dummy, but. He left his axe outside. Axeman leaves the axe inside the house. People are so fucking stupid. I know. The same night, shortly after, 19-year-old Sarah Lauman is attacked by a man with an axe as she sleeps in her home. She lives alone in this house. Neighbors hear the attack, and upon arrival, they find Sarah unconscious with a severe head wound and missing teeth. Missing teeth? Yeah. So we're... Re- re- reverse tooth fairy oh did she have money under her pillow she probably didn't have any under her pillow and that's why you took her teeth maybe that's what the tooth fairy does no when you put money under your pillow that's oh comes yeah and that's true out. well yeah because he was like you don't have teeth under your pillow so i'm gonna i'm gonna knock yours out and take them but he didn't leave any money under her pillow afterward <laughs> she she did have a severe yeah, concussion yeah she lived from it but did have a severe concussion and obviously those teeth that were knocked out Um, the investigators found that the intruder had entered through an open window so this one just like seems more similar like to the one with the pregnant lady to me Mm. the open window thing but they did find a bloody axe in the front lawn of her building and it did happen like two in the same night the same night as the one that failed yeah so So he was kind of mixing it up yeah i guess so so it made me like think that maybe the pregnant lady one like wasn't maybe really was him if he's like okay with opening through windows and i guess they didn't have an axe around the lamp did it he was trying to like get off on going through a doggy door and it just wasn't doing it for him anymore Mm -hmm. like i gotta try something different sarah the 19 year old she did recover she couldn't recall any details from the attack and no suspects were apprehended so a bummer did she wake up yeah she woke up she's fine or i don't know if she saw anything it didn't say that she saw a person like, yeah, yeah, she's fine. she didn't wake up she just was i think she was just sleeping and got hit by an axe 
or didn't remember it. Okay, if, if you were sleeping, like, what did the neighbor hear? That's the part that's weird. Like, if you're sleeping, like, let's say, like, when something, like, wakes you up when you're sleeping and it's, like, hurts, like, Charlie Horse, for example, right? You're sleeping, <laughs> you get a Charlie yeah. Horse, and then you're like, ah, or that's what I do. <laughs> I panda roll out of my bed and I'm like, ah. <laughs> so I'm assuming that it's something like that when you get asked in the hat. I'm glad when I was staying at your house, you didn't get any Charlie horses in the middle of the night. I know. Cause I, I may have, and I might've been quiet about it. I get them a lot. Okay. Apparently last night I was having nightmares and husband was like, he, he was like, he was like trying to protect me. You know, he was like, it's uh-huh. okay. you're going to be okay. Cause I guess I kept waking up and I was like, I don't want to go in the water. I don't want to go in the water. Weirdo. How come none of those, you didn't get to have any of the fun experiences when we were having a sleepover? No, and we had like a three-week sleepover. No, you didn't do yeah. anything weird. No. Didn't at all. Sorry. I didn't yeah. even make my weird creeper. Really didn't. It's a bummer. Um, okay, so the murders do stop for a period of time again from September, from September 3rd to October 27th. But on October 27th, Esther Pepitone is sleeping in a room with her six kids separate from her husband mike she's awakened by some noise and runs to his bedroom just as a large axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene mike had been struck in the head and was covered in blood blood covered the walls of their bedroom including a painting of the virgin mary that was on their bedroom wall not that yeah mike died from his injuries unfortunately yeah so she's like left with all six kids like sure her kids are there but yeah she could really only describe the man as large and had no other information that was helpful in identifying him um but this this ends up ending the axeman killings no more were reported after this and the total death toll was six with six people injured that's it yeah he just stopped he just stopped yeah so there's some theories around this let's talk about some of the theories okay um, one of them will explain why maybe they stopped. So theories that have come up have been the boogeyman. <laughs> people just decided <laughs> that the hole in the doors was just too small for people to get through. That makes no sense. Like, why would he even do that if he was the boogeyman and he just like appear there? Maybe they think like it's like his spirit has to go through something. I don't know. When you're the boogeyman, you can slither. Yeah, I don't know. They say yeah. that this is like too small for a regular says man to get through because they're all saying that he has like a bigger build. But I was watching, I don't remember like what, what the guy's name was and I should have written it down, but there was like some episode of something I watched. I think it was like on YouTube or on like a channel. I did this this research like a month ago. Or on a channel? <laughs> on a channel of some sort. On some streaming service is what I should have said. But this guy decided to like go find some old doors in New Orleans and like remove a panel. Because, like, they're not built the same way ours were. So, like, you could get through it. And so they decide that they do chisel a panel out from one of the old doors that they found at an antique store in New Orleans. And he's he looks like he's not, like, a small guy. He's not, like, a super string bean kind of guy, just, like, a normal dude. And so he was able to climb through it himself. Like, it was tight. And he didn't think he was going to be able to do it, but he was able to make it work. There's some people that can, like, knock their shoulder blades out of place, like, get out of, like 
like the people that not their shoulder blades. I don't know how they do it, but there's people that like fuck their shoulders up to get out of like a straight jacket. Like maybe it was somebody like that. I feel like that you would scream if that happened. <laughs> I don't know. Like you would be going through the doggy door and you'd be like, ah! as your oh, shoulders. So, so you think it's the point. boogeyman then? You think it's a spirit person? Absolutely. <laughs> that sometimes goes through windows and sometimes goes through. He does a door panels through doggy doors. Okay. A jazzy boogie. No, actually, it would make more sense to me if if there's a large man and he's working with a leprechaun because (laughs) the leprechaun, he can send him in through the doggy door. And then little man just opens the door for him. And then big man walks through the regular door. Other people thought that they like, he unlocked the door through that. And like, I do wonder, cause like people will say like, oh, the door was locked though. When people got to it, you know, like the door stayed locked, but then like, how did the guy leave? I feel like what he could do is he could reach his hand through, unlock the door. I don't know what locks were like in the 1900s. So maybe this isn't feasible, but I feel like you could reach through there, unlock the door. And then when you leave, you can close the door again and reach your arm back in and then lock it again. So he. So if he was a big guy that had long arms, he could reach up and do that. He probably had that that same disease that like Abraham Lincoln had, where he had like really long (sighs) arms and fingers. That's a good. That's a good theory. So he it was either worked with a leprechaun or he had that long hand and finger disease. Very well, could be. It could be. It's not just yeah. It's a deformation or a abnormality what do they yeah. call it um a deformity i feel I like it's just a deformity. <laughs> if you have really long arms and hands i bet they're beautiful don't be ashamed. i know there was nothing wrong i mean like they you had like lots of things abraham lincoln had arms. long arms he just had long arms he did a lot of great things can you imagine the jazz fingers that you could do Oh my God! Imagine how jazzy this guy was. He was so jazzy, like like everywhere. His his jazz span was huge. I love it. Okay, so we got to get onto the rest of these series. This this episode is getting long. Some people thought it was a sexual status, like I talked about earlier, that was just looking to kill women and like got off on it, even though he wasn't like raping them or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was true. It seemed more so. Okay, so Italians at this time, like I said earlier, they owned half the grocery stores in New Orleans. Italians were often the targets of xenophobia by the dominant Anglo-Saxon class who viewed them as criminals and con artists of an inferior race. It seems to me that it could be a hate crime. Maybe there's a grocer of another, you know, like an an Anglo-Saxon grocer that's upset that these are being taken away. There's other some speculation about it being a mafia thing and so this is where we're going to get into um, a little bit deeper thing this story that i'm about to tell i just am going to say that i have seen in some places that there's like literally no evidence of this stuff happening and that maybe this mafia guy that i'm talking about didn't even exist so i don't know for sure it's just a speculation but the last the the wife of the last victim so esther who had the six kids that was widowed. It says that she relocated to Los Angeles after Mike's death and married a man named Angelo Albano. On the second anniversary of Mike's death, her new husband just disappears. 
And this new husband, she did know that he had some business dealings that were kind of shady with a guy named Joseph Mumfrey. And apparently Mumfrey moved to L.A. from New Orleans at the same time as her, which is speculated to be why the killings in New Orleans stopped. Following this disappearance of the second husband, Mumfrey apparently came and visited Esther's home and demanded that she give him $500 and some jewelry. He tells Esther that if she refuses, he'll kill her the same way that he killed her first husband. (gasps) Esther grabs a gun and shoots him until she runs out of bullets. She finds another gun and shoots him a bunch more times. It just goes like fucking crazy. Just getting bullets into this guy. At this point, like, obviously, like, if this really happened, which there's no evidence that it actually did. So, or no evidence that I could find anyway. If one of you guys has seen the evidence, feel free to share it. But um, <laughs> Esther at this point tells <laughs> tells the police that Mumfrey is the guy she saw in New Orleans when Mike was killed, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, like, she literally said she didn't, like, she just said it was a big guy and that was it and had no, like, facial features she could explain or anything she was just like nope that's the guy in this story so he was a blob yeah and like people that tell the story say that circumstantial evidence was found linking Mumfrey to Mike's murder and apparently Mumfrey was in some kind of like leadership role in a blackmailing gang in New Orleans that was like targeting Italians so it was kind of like a mafia blackmailing thing going on he was also like this story is also saying that he was the prime suspect in the 1910 to 1912 Louisiana murders that that retired detective attributed to the axe man. Like I said, I, I haven't like seen anything, I guess I didn't go and like look at the newspaper articles because I didn't have access to that before when I was doing this research, but there are people out there saying that there's no evidence that like Mumfrey ever lived in in Los Angeles or that Esther ever killed him. There's no evidence of those things. And so this could all just be made up. It's just speculation. So, so some that dude just the cop just had a hard on for this guy. Yeah, I think honestly that I mean, like it had something to do with the grocery stores. I don't know about those two women that were killed. You know, like I, I don't know about those. Maybe the guy that was killing them also was a perv at the same time or something. Like he was a pervert and grocery store murderer, but. I'm not really sure. So, or maybe they were just two separate people that ended up killing on the same night or whatever, or trying to get two people on the same night, but who really knows, right? Like it's, it's lore. It's been speculated for a lot of years and nobody really knows the answer. So we're never going to find out. No, we're not. I mean, it's been a hundred years. Like we're never going to know. What about there's not DNA evidence. I don't think like sitting around from these murders. No. And you, know? you would never you'd never be able to link it back to the boogeyman's kids. <laughs> no, they're not on ancestry.com. 23 and me. Yeah, they're not in there. So Boogie Jr. Yeah, I, th- I think we're never gonna know really, but my my guess is that mafia thing or somebody having to do with grocery stores, plus a perv. So Uh, I do want to cover just a couple of other things about it because I looked into it because I was going to go, even though I get scared about ghosts, I was going to go on a ghost tour in New Orleans and I wanted to prepare myself. So (laughs) um, there are some hauntings that are attributed to these crimes. So the home that the first victims, Joseph and Catherine Maggio lived in is said to be haunted. I guess people hear screams at night. 
inside of their house, which would be terrifying. Um, also, the hospital where Joseph Romano was treated and died is said to be haunted by him. But I, I don't I guess I don't I don't know like why they think it specifically was him. But like, the, can you think about how, how many a people lot of died people in the hospital? There. Yeah. So his, I mean, like his name was I guess Joe. Maybe in it. Yeah, his name is Joseph. I mean, like I think a few of the axe people died there too. So it's like I I don't know. Like maybe they saw a big gash in his ghost head or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, there's maybe also people literally like. I'm Joe that died. <laughs> yeah, I'm Judge Joseph Romano. I guess. Well, he he was 80 years old though, so he was like an 80 year old with oh. an axe wound. So maybe he is. You know. Oh, why don't you just get to go to heaven if you're that old? Even if I you know, get older. right? Well, maybe it's just residual energy. I hope it's just residual energy for all of the hauntings. Like I, yeah, I tell I myself every night before I go to bed. That if you get murdered tonight, it's okay. I'll just, I'll be okay with it. I don't I'm have bad. I'll anything go. left that I need to resolve. I can go to heaven. You can visit me like in a dream or something. Like don't haunt me, but visit me in a dream. If I get killed, can you, can you please just try to make sure that just I'll in go case, wherever you were killed and I'll be like, listen, you got to go, Jules. You are dead. That's what I'm going to say. You got to. But I'll say it with your real tell name. Me, but you have to tell me that I got. You have to explain it. You have to be like, listen. Well, I'll be got- like, well, obviously, like I'm kind of long winded. I'll be like, listen, you got axe murdered or whatever it is that happens to you. I'll tell you what happened and I'll make sure that you understand. And I'll be like, listen, go toward the light. I'll see you <laughs> when I die. Visit me in my dreams or whatevs. Okay. We should have like a meeting spot. Like of our dead places? Probably. I'm going to go to wherever you got murdered. Because that's where your ghost is going to be stuck. I mean, like after I cross over and I come to visit you, I. No, you're going to come in my dreams. I don't want to see your fucking ghost body. That will scare me. You're going to come to me in my dreams and talk to me like my grandpa me? Because you'd be dead. I it just my brain does better with it in my sleep okay grandma and grandpa come and they talk to me while I'm sleeping and that's comfortable to me my brain can handle it when I'm dreaming but if I was awake and grandma and grandpa suddenly appeared before me I would be a little fucking freaked out and I would probably run away I might be scared about that too you're gonna do it to me don't die before me okay because I can't handle your haunting Okay. Okay. There's one other ghost theory I want to talk about here. So people theorize that the haunted hotel of New Orleans, which I guess is like the name of it, it's called the what? haunted hotel. I don't know. Like that's. Are there like a like. billion? I know. That are right. Haunted? I guess there's one that's called that. So it's where the axeman apparently like is alleged to have stayed between victims, which like why couldn't he have lived there? But whatever. So people say that his ghost haunts the courtyard there, like so many people died in new orleans i doubt it's him but they do see like sightings of wandering shadows pools of blood strange evps and bizarre electrical hiccups with cell phones i think that's just another like those are other ghosts like the axeman like how do you know it's the axeman because he's got a axe really long arms and yeah. jazz hands yeah what and i can tell you penis 
I hope that he's like he's naked jazz jazzing it up in the courtyard. No, okay, so so here's what I do know. If we are gonna try to go to New Orleans again together, I think that we should go on we March are. 19th because oh, yes. apparently people like still every March 19th they play jazz music all over the city. Fuck yes. Like it's just like a jazz party, no matter what kind of place you go to. It could be like some other kind of place, like a like a club or something, like not a jazz club, but like a club club. They play jazz music there all night long. Yes. Yeah. So we could go out that night, but not get drunk on the in the French Quarter because I will never do that ever. Yes, I I really think that that is never a good idea to get drunk. Well, at so night dangerous. In the For I was it there at so night dangerous. and there were just drunk people everywhere. And I'm like, holy shit, this just seems like a dangerous situation. Yeah, I'm smarter than that. Yeah, yeah. So that's the the axe man of New Orleans. Okay, so what did we learn? We learned that you don't want to leave your windows open and you need thick doors. Yes. What else did you learn? Don't have a doggy door that a human man or a boogie man or a leprechaun can fit through. Yeah, for real. Like, don't do that because your dog is huge. And like a man could definitely get through that shit. My dog is bigger than a lot of men. Yeah. He is. So don't don't anyone ever try to find me or come to my home or you will die a most unpleasant. Yeah, people aren't going to try to break into your house. Like, I'm pretty sure that nobody's going to try to break in your house unless they like really want to get you because be really fucking stupid fox would murder them yeah yes he's a beast yeah so with that i'm gonna wrap up this episode unless you have something else to add i'm gonna talk about our uh social media uh yeah you can talk about our social media cool so if you have any stories at some point that you would like to share with us about like waking up in the thing or maybe some creepy new orleans stories or something like that that you want to share with us could you please send them to weirdshitmymomsays at gmail.com? Again, weirdshitmymomsays at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram, and you could follow us if you want to. Our handle is weirdshitmymomsayspodcast. And then we joined the Twitter, and our podcast name is too long um, for a handle on Twitter. So this one, Twitter, is weirdshitmmspod. Again, weird shit MMS pod. If you want to follow us on Twitter, <laughs> we will eventually get a Facebook as well and maybe do some other stuff with the video platforms where we don't actually show us. But um, we also encourage you to follow us on whatever it is that you're listening to us on. So whether that's Spotify or Apple or stitcher or whatever it is like follow us and it'll tell us new episodes we hope that our audio if this one doesn't turn out great just please keep giving us a try we're gonna keep uh working around it i'm really hoping that this one sounds so much better than the last ones and yeah that's all i've got sweet well that's it episode three next time it's my turn i've been coming up with some with some well Murders sometimes are funny when it's the old-timey <laughs> ones. We're bad people. 
I'm going to hell. You are. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.